Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. So how are you approaching worship today? What are you expecting to happen in your heart, your mind, as you go before the Lord today, right? What, what's going on there? Well, let's do this. Let's open our Bibles here and look at a passage of Scripture as we begin. Philippians chapter 3. If you're using the Bible that's under the chairs there, it will be on page 1350. The Apostle Paul has been challenged about his role as an apostle. Philippians chapter 3, and we'll start in verse 4. So Paul writes these words. He says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, and by the flesh he means things that aren't the Spirit's doing. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, meaning the most committed of all, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless, all those things before he came to Christ. And then he says this, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Words, I have given up all those things. When I turned up, all those things, they, they don't even compare to Christ. Let's continue. He says, yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. In other words, all the stuff that he could have in the world, whether it's possessions or power or prestige or all of those things, he says, rubbish compared to Christ. And he says that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which, which is from God by faith. Then he says this, his desire, where he wants to go with this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And these things he's, he's talking about is not someday when this life is over. He's talking about, I want to experience these things now. I want to experience the resurrected power of God within me. I want to, you know, understand his sufferings and, and know what it means for him to have died for me and this idea that I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, that right now I might live like the resurrected life of Christ in me. So I think if we want to sum up what Paul is saying here, his attitude, I think this is very appropriate for the attitude we want to take into worship today. And that's this, that nothing matters more to me than my relationship with Jesus Christ. As we were singing, I was reminded, so I bet, you know, my soul must sing that Jesus talked about, you know, remember when he rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, 
coming in as the promised Messiah. And of course, he would be rejected. But at that moment, the crowds are, you know, cheering and praising and saying, Hosanna to God in the highest. And the, the religious leaders of their day said, listen you know, to his disciples, listen to what you're saying. Look, they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be, you know, acting like this. But Jesus said, well, if they didn't do it, the stones themselves would cry out. It has to. When, when you, and really, that's the, the reality. So every time we really start to see who he is, start to understand who he is, what that means in our lives, something's got to happen. Something's got to happen, right? And so today, that's what we want to experience here. So we read in uh, the first part of chapter 3 in Philippians there how Paul talking about he's reached this point in his life where uh, you know, nothing else matters to him more than his relationship with Christ. All that stuff that used to be so important just isn't anymore. And the things that are important now are only important because they are connected with my relationship with Christ. It sounds like Paul is the most spiritual man that's ever lived. Do you ever feel that way when you read what Paul says? And you compare it to how you feel and what you experience, like, wow, you know, that is way up there. That is way out there. And uh, sometimes when we hear people like that and talk like that, we go, oh, okay, good for you. <laughs> right? And we aren't trying to be mean. It's just we don't do it. I'm reminded of um, really, uh, I want to say this, such a, a well-known artistic area, uh, the Muppets. Uh, a Muppet Christmas Carol. And if in the story, I don't remember, Gonzo is Mr. Dickens, Charles Dickens telling the story of the Christmas Carol. And Rizzo the Rat is his uh, companion as they go through this. And, and Gonzo is saying, here's what's going to happen. And sure enough, it happens. And Rizzo's like, how do you know this? Well, because I'm the author, right? And authors are all knowing. They know everything that's going to happen. And Rizzo responds, he says, hoity-toity, Mr. God likes smarty pants. <laughs> and we probably wouldn't say that to the Apostle Paul. But there can be this sense in which, okay, you've arrived, good for you. Here I am, right? That's not me. Well, in Philippians chapter 3, let's go back there, page 350. Um, the Apostle Paul responds to this. So there in verse 11, he said, you know, that I'm going to, in this life, I want to attain to this resurrection life of God in me. And I think somehow, rather, he must know that there is this sense. You know, the people could say, well, okay, you've, you've arrived. Great, good for you. Verse number 12, he says, not that I have already attained. He, he addresses this, right? Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, okay? I keep pressing on. I keep working at it. This is what I am, where I'm headed for because nothing matters more to me than my relationship with Christ. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Do you understand that Jesus has saved us for a reason. Amen. And that reason is the same for all of us and unique to all of us. 
It is both. Let's just continue reading. He says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Then he says this, Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. So let's go back and work our way through this. So verse number 12. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So one of the things I have become convinced of in the Christian life, um, I don't want to say this, the, there is a sense, and you've probably heard the term the victorious Christian life, right? And, and the idea is real that we are living in the truths of who we are in Christ and living that out and experiencing his reality in our lives. And, and you know, he's doing special things and we see him at work. Um, and that is a reality that we can experience that. But I tell you, I think that's what we experience here and there. And hopefully more and more, but here and there. And I think there is this sense in which the Christian life sometimes boils down to, but I press on. But I press on. I haven't already attained. <laughs> Follow me around for a little while. Know what's in my mind. Know the, thought, the things that I struggle with sometimes in my heart. I have not already attained. I'm not already perfected. I haven't made it. But I what? Press on. I'm going forward again today. And sometimes I think that's all we can do. And if, so it's easy sometimes to start to get down the dumps about that and beat myself up and, you know, why can't I be this or that? Why? Well, the Christian life should be different. And, and, and yeah, sometimes we should evaluate that, wait, that stuff and see what's going on. But the reality is sometimes the, the, the greatest way I can glorify God today from where I am is to, but I press on. Right? You experience that in your life? And that's okay. We want to adopt this whole thing that, that Paul's talking about. Nothing matters more to me in my life than my relationship with Christ. And we're going to see a, a decision we need to make because of that. We do want to live there and keep heading toward it. But sometimes, and sometimes it's for a moment. Sometimes it's for an hour. Sometimes it's for a day. Sometimes it's for a week. Sometimes for an extended period of time. But I press on. There have been times in my life when that's all I could do. And that was all I experienced. But I'm in good company. The Apostle Paul, right? I haven't made it, but I press on. He talks about times in his life when things were really hard, when he gave up hope, even hope of why, what's the point of continuing to live? But I press on. Right? This, this, this relationship with my spouse, it's just, I can't, we can't seem to get beyond this certain thing. And, and it, sometimes we feel like giving up, but we press on. Don't know what to do with our kids. 
Because there's this issue here, and they, they aren't following the Lord. How do we handle this? You know, I, I don't know, and it's disheartening. But I press on. You know, I have a sin that, that in my life has, has just continued to, it comes behind me and nips at my heels, and every now and then it gets me. And I'm responsible when it gets me, right? But it's the idea of, okay, here I am. Wait a minute, Jesus died for this. So I'm going to press on. Okay? So sometimes that's what the Christian life is about. Now, he says next, he says, I press on that I may, what? Lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Jesus saved you for a reason. He saved you for a reason. And the one way for all of us he saved us because he's going to be glorified in us and he's going to be seen in us. There, he, all these things that he does, because we're Christians and when we're Christians we get together. That's part of the reason. <clears throat> but there's also something about you. He saved you for a specific reason. Now, let me say to you, I don't know that we always figure out what that is. He doesn't say we have to figure it out. But Paul says, hey, I want to get a hold of that. I want to, to accomplish. I want to achieve what the Lord wants me to achieve. I want to be who the Lord wants me to be. Because here's the thing. Jesus, when he saved you, for me, April 4th, 1975, when I received Christ as Savior, for you, whenever it was, um, I'll just say it for me, when he saved me, he did not save a generic Christian. He saved Walt Graham. Okay? So that means all of my stuff, all my sins, everything that had separated from him, he saved me from that, saved me two things. But it isn't like we get all saved and we're just Christians and we go on. No, he saved Walt Graham to be a Christian. He saved you to be a Christian, okay? And, and to, he had a purpose in that. Because Genesis chapter 1, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, okay? And there's a sense in which we are all that way. But I would say to you, I mean, we sang about it, we try to capture it. How big is God? Is that even a question to ask? Is God unique? In every way. Amen. I think so. Every time you see a new aspect of God, that's uniquely God. Right? Okay. So I think every human being is created and made the way they are to express the image of God in some way, unique to that person. Okay? That's not how big is God. How much is there to reveal and to be known of him? Um, I think we'll be learning things for all eternity about God. So here we are. So let me just, I, I, do I have permission to at least sort of blow your minds today? Okay. I want you to think about something that may make you go, all right, when it comes to this life that the Apostle Paul's talking about, it's Jesus' life in me. It's a resurrected life. It's a life that understands what it means to die to things, and to, but it's a, a living, it's vital, it's dynamic, it's powerful. All of these things, okay? So God wants to reveal that life to you. 
He wants you to see it. He wants you to understand. He wants to reveal that life to you. He wants to do more than that. He wants to reveal that life in you. Okay? Now it starts to get personal. Before it was just to us, now it's in me. Okay, his life in me. God living out, you know, expressing himself in me. Not just to, not just in, but he wants to express his life through you. Out into the world around you. Now we haven't blown our minds yet. Okay, but so the idea is this is not intended to be something that's just for me and I experience and it's awesome. He wants this to go out from me to you and to the world around me, wherever I go. Okay, so to you, in you, through you. Now here's the one. God wants to express his life in our world as you. As you. In other words, the more like God I become, the more like me God becomes here. Do you understand that? What I'm trying to say? Before I talk about this more, I want to give you a picture. Here's the picture, the image that I have. We have Moses in the wilderness, and he sees this sight. Something strange he's never seen before. And he looks closer and he sees a bush. And what is it doing? It's burning with fire. And then the scripture makes a point of saying it's burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. It was filled with the fire of God, but the bush was still there. And so it is you and I that God has saved us. He says, I'm going to lay hold of that which God, Jesus laid hold of me. And that's that he wants to express himself to the world in a way that is unique to me, a way that could only be done through me. Well, that's nice for you, Walt, hoity-toity, Mr. God likes smarty pants. No, no, it's you. When Jesus saved you, he desires to, to walk into this world as you. Not separate from him, right? The fire of God, consumed, but you're not consumed. You're still there. It's you, it's your experience, it's your personality, it's your genetics, it's your strengths, it's your weaknesses, it's all those things, it's you. How important are you in the plans of God? I mean, God will get his plans done whether you or I cooperate or not. But man, do we miss out. But what a thought. And, and I actually experienced this in uh, early on when I became the pastor of this church. The church was in a hard place and so it was hard emotionally and mentally and it was tiresome physically, all this stuff, right? I mean, you've all been through stuff like that in your life. It's hard. And, and I remember early on, I had never been a senior pastor. I've been an associate pastor and you get used to thinking you just, it's just different, okay? Different role. But um, I can't see your pastor, and people would say to me, very well-intentioned and not even wrong, say, well, you know, you're the pastor. Shouldn't the pastor do this? I'd go, yeah, that, that makes sense. Okay, so I'd try to, to make that a part of it. And then, you know, well, shouldn't the pastor be doing that? Yeah, you know, that makes sense too, and I'm trying to add that, and I'm trying to do all these things. Even my wife would say, well, well, shouldn't you, the pastor, shouldn't you be da-da-da-da-da? And not that that was all wrong. But I found myself after about a year, well, just a little over a year of actually being the senior pastor, of, of being exhausted. 
being worn out. I don't know if I was technically burned out or not, but I was not, I was exhausted. So I remember saying, okay, I, I got to stop. This sounds silly to you, but it's it, whether. I said, I got to read the Bible. <laughs> not that I hadn't been, but, right, but I need to read the Bible and go to God and say, God, where am I at? What's going on? I didn't have a clarity about what I'm telling you right now at that time. I started reading 1 Samuel. It just seemed like the place to start. I read and I got down to 1 Samuel chapter 17, the story of David and Goliath, and I got stuck in that chapter. And God began speaking to me through that chapter. And I could pull out a journal today that I, I have and I could show you what I wrote, but it hit me one day. Do you remember how um, David defeated Goliath? He defeated Goliath with a sling, right? And stones. And he had the opportunity to have armor and other weapons. Saul gave them to him. And he said, I can't wear these, I, I, you know? This isn't me, and he goes and gets what he was about, the shepherd and his thing. And so God used in my life, and, and, and just very clear, I remember writing, not exactly word for word by memory, but something to this effect. I said, you know, God, when God called me to be the pastor of this church, he did not call a generic pastor. He called me. And that's enough. I don't know if that resonates with you. But it did with me. And so that means, you know, I'm the pastor. That means all my strengths, all my weaknesses go with that. That means the things that I'm passionate about, the things I'm not. Right? It all goes with it. But what I want you to see is that God made it clear to me that he had made me how he wanted to make me. And where there's stuff in my life needs to go, yeah. Still is, but the stuff that God made, he wanted to do something through Walt Graham as Walt Graham. Now, is this making sense? But I, what I want you to see is how important are you in the plans of God? How, how personally involved in your life is the Lord? Okay? You don't have to become somebody else or something else. You just got to become a holy you. Filled with Jesus, but you. Okay, and we could go along and apply lots more to this, but let's, let's stop there. I want you to see that. That's what, you know, I want to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Okay. So not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on to become who he has made me to be to bring on and glory to him. So let's, let's go to that slide. This is where the rest of the verses go. He says, uh, God's calling on my life is my highest priority. Okay, because the Lord Jesus, my relationship with him is, is the most important thing to me. His calling on my life is my top priority in life. Okay, so let's, let's read verses 13 and 14 again. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended by the way, that's the same word, just a different Greek form from the words up at the above where it says, lay hold of what Christ has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended or to lay hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, so this is the idea. God's calling on my life. This high calling is my highest priority. That's what Paul is saying. Doesn't mean you've arrived. In fact, I'm getting ahead of myself here. 
Let me show you something here. In verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Do you notice anything in your Bible with the, and I don't know if it's on the Bibles in your phone, but in the print Bible, has anybody noticed anything about the words I do? What's different about them? They're italicized, okay? Now what that means, this is the, the translators telling you that those words I do are not specifically in what they translated from. And translators have to do this kind of stuff all the time because they're trying to, how would we say this in the, this language? How does this translate? So they have to sometimes add words, okay? Nothing wrong with that here. But here's the sense of what I get from Paul. He says, uh, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but, but one thing, one thing, forgetting those things which are behind. See, it's, it's, one thing I do, yeah, that's right, but I just get a sense, it's the, the, this is Paul's thinking about it. I haven't apprehended, but one thing. Well, what is the one thing? He describes it, he says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward this goal. So let's talk about this for just a little bit. He says, forgetting that which is behind. How do you do that? Are you ever bothered by memories that pop up in your life about your failures or your fears, you know, from the, those things? They, they jump up and grab you and thrash you around. Maybe you have successes in your past that you allow to excuse you not doing what you're supposed to do now because, well, I've been successful. I, you know, he says, we got to forget those things. Well, how do we forget those things? Well, we have to learn to forget those things the same way God forgets things. So here's what God says in Isaiah 43. He says, I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not what? Remember your sins. Okay, let's read another one. Jeremiah, he says, for I will forgive their iniquity. And their sin I will remember no more. Now, how does this work? I thought God knew everything, doesn't he? Look, in Psalm chapter 147, it says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. 1 John 3.20, God knows all things. So how does this work? Which is it? I don't remember, I won't remember. No, it really isn't that God doesn't say I don't remember. He says I won't remember. And here's the idea. It isn't that God doesn't know about our sins. He does. Jesus died for those sins and he knew before he ever created the world what that was going to be. And the sins that he died, died for all of them. And so they are paid for, paid, the penalty is paid in full. They are now put away. God says, as far as the east is from the west, I've put those away from you. I'm not going to hold those against you ever again. Uh, I am um, as deep as the, the deepest part of the ocean. It's buried there. The sin is gone. Does that mean God doesn't know it's there? Does it mean God doesn't remember? No. What he is doing is he's purposefully choosing not to bring that up and consider it in light of you or in light of me. Okay. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone 
who, when things got, you know, hard and push comes to shove, that, that one of the parties, you know, gets hysterical and then becomes historical. Do you know anybody historical, right? Going back and bringing up all those things. I mean, I've counseled with some people who every time we talked, and every time we went back to the same three or four things. You can choose not to remember. And by not remember, I mean you're not going to bring it up and think about it and be what your life is about. Uh, and that's what God does. He sets aside, never hold us against us again. And that's what we need to do. And so the end result of God not holding those sins against us, not remembering them against us anymore, is in Romans chapter 8 when he says, There is therefore now how much condemnation? No condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, or according to the Spirit. We are spiritual beings alive to God now. But no condemnation, because God doesn't remember our sins against us. They, he, he's done with that. He's set them out of the way. All right, so what are you going to do in your own life then? Well, in your own life, you have to make the same decision. Yeah, I know about stuff. I remember. And, and, but I got to choose to have that not be what's governing my thoughts today. That's, those fears are not what's governing my decisions today. Those things are not what's governing my actions today. Forgetting those things which are behind. I'm, I'm going to learn from them, but I'm going where? This is what Paul says, but I what? I, I press on. And that's what he says here. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward, I press toward this. Okay? And so we have to learn to forget certain things that are behind and go forward. Yes, the stuff happened to you. Yes, it did. You may need to get help untangling this knot and figuring out how to deal with it. All fine, but I'm pressing forward. I'm not going to stay here. Now, how do you know? The idea is this, if you find that things that in your memory you remember are preventing you from doing what you need, to, are they preventing you from really pressing forward? Well, then you've got to get help, don't you? First, you've got to cry out to God for help, and then need be get help from other Christians, maybe even professional counselors, okay? There's a choice you've got to make, because here's the choice. Stay there or press on. Okay. All right. So then he says that I press on, I press toward. So it's not just pressing on, it's pressing toward something. And he says the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So this is where we start to see this idea of that my relationship with Jesus is the most important thing, the, the, the thing that matters to me most. And then uh, God's calling on my life is now my highest priority. Okay, And so I'm pressing toward what God has for me. What's your goal? What God has for me. And it's a prize. I don't necessarily know what the prize is here today. I'm just telling you, but it is a prize. It's, it's experiencing the life that Paul described about here. It's experiencing in heaven the things that we can't, as we sang, we can't imagine. It's going to be worth it. Absolutely worth it. When you press on, it's going to be worth it. And, and so we need to get that in our hearts and minds too, that this is more valuable to us than anything else. Moses grew up 
as a, a, a child. Remember, God miraculously saved him and then he grew up in Pharaoh's house. He had all the power, all the riches, all the, the trappings of what that kind of life meant. But he made a choice. He made a choice to align himself with God and God's people. And Hebrews says it like this, that he was choosing to suffer affliction, esteeming or counting or valuing the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He looked to what? The prize of the high calling of God. All right, so he made that choice. He saw that choice. Uh, Stephen saw this and made this choice as he you know, confronted the religious leaders there in Acts chapter seven uh, with the truth. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ made this choice as a human being. As he prays in the garden, what's he say? Oh, my father, if it is possible, what? Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Your calling on my life is more important than this. Now, have you ever made that decision yet in your life? That this, with God, with Christ, is more important to me than anything else. Have you made that decision? It's a decision you need to make. All right, so, sounds pretty high and mighty still, doesn't it, kind of? This Christian life, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can. You don't have to. You've got to press on. You've got to press toward. Press on, press toward. Press on, press toward. Now, the Apostle Paul in chapter, or verse 15 gets really, really practical. Let's look at it. Verse 15. He says, therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. Okay, let's stop right there. All right, are you a mature Christian? He says, this is a mature mindset. What I'm telling you about this idea of, you know, continually, you know, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward and, and pressing toward, and this is the most important thing in life. He said, this is, that's a mature Christian mindset. All right? And then, the second half of this verse I just absolutely love. He says, and if anything else you think otherwise, what? God will show you. I just paraphrase. God will reveal even this to you. Okay, so he says, uh, as many of us are mature, let's have this mind. Think this way, spiritual mature. And if you're missing it somewhere, don't worry about it. Anybody like me in here that sometimes in your life you have a tendency to have to have it all figure out and understand everything from beginning to end before you can do anything about it? Anybody like me? A few of you admit it? Okay. We're wrong. We don't have to do that. We have to what? Press on. Press toward. And if, if you're yielded to God, he can show you anything he needs to show you. If you've yielded to God in this, right? God, this is what I want for my life. I want my life to be like this. This is, I'm, I'm going to, I'm pressing toward it. Man, I don't know all the answers. I don't know what to do, but I'm pressing toward it. And, okay. And God says, all right, you're doing really good. But I got a few things I got to show you. Then he works in your life and changes your mind and helps you to see things that you didn't understand and see before. So isn't that an encouraging verse? 
To, is it to you? It is to me. It's like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. He might direct your path. He could direct your path. No, he what? Will direct your path. How do you lose? But the key is reaching this point where you say, I, it is about you, Lord. It's not about me. It is about what you want to do in my life, not about what I want to do in my life. In fact, today, Lord, I'm saying to you, whatever messes I got, I want my life to be about your life. That's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. And, and be encouraged in this. Uh, earlier in Philippians, Paul says this. He says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God is working in you when you surrender to him. I, and this is not a theological, I'm not trying to say it's a theologically correct statement, so don't argue with me about it, all right? But until we really yield to Christ and are sincere in that and mean that, God isn't so much working in us as he has to work on us. Okay? Um, all right. Let me address this finally at the end here. And, and I'm going to skip this last couple of slides, Mitchell. All right. It can be discouraging. Again, when we think about these, this, because this is a big thing, right? It's, it's such a big thing that Jesus says, hey, you need to be willing to have people think you hate your family to follow me. Man, you've got to choose me over everything. This is such a huge thing. You say, I, I see where I am. I don't even know how to get there. How in the world do I get from where I am to that? Well, really, it is simple. It's right in here. Simple doesn't mean it's easy for us to get to it, but he says one thing. One thing. I what? I press on. That's it. Now, when I was, here's the encouragement. When I was a kid, I was a tree-climbing idiot. I like to think of more of a hero and warrior, but I love to climb trees. If I were to do that now, bad things happen. <laughs> but when I was a kid, I climbed them. And my, my grandmother had a huge tree out in front of her house in Missouri, and it must have been, I don't know, 70, 80 feet high. I mean, it was big. And, and, and so here's, here's how this goes. You know, at the bottom, it's easy to see how to climb, isn't it? Oh, okay, I do this, I get on this branch, this, this. and then the higher you go, sort of the harder it gets, and so it's harder to imagine, right? But so here I am on the ground. If I think I gotta figure out everything up there, I never get in the tree. But if I decide to get in the tree, it's amazing how quickly my perspective changes. You don't have to go very high in a tree to all of a sudden say, hey, the world looks different from here. And then you climb and you grow and you figure things out and you work your way up. But what I want to say to you is that if you're looking at this thinking, wow, here I am and here's this totally yielded to God thing and he's living through me and you're saying he's got to live as me and all, whatever, all that, I can't even see that. Okay, no, just start climbing the tree. Just say, okay, God, I'm pressing on and I'm pressing toward you. Get up in the tree and you'll be amazed you can cover a lot of ground very fast. Okay? In other words, wow, this mattered. 
This is changing the way I'm seeing things. This has made a difference. The fact that I decided to climb the tree here. And then you'll end up like Paul saying, but I haven't attained. I haven't made it all the way. There's still places to go. But I want you to know you can make progress fast. You can make significant progress fast by settling these issues in your life. And it starts with receiving Christ as Savior if you haven't done that. I talked about when I was saved and you know, that's understanding, and we've, we've kind of talked about it today, but understand that means that, that you're a sinner, like we all are. We've all failed we've, to measure up the God's standards. The Bible says if we die like that, we go to hell because we're guilty for those things. But Jesus died to pay the penalty for those sins and rose again. He says to us that if we will recognize that, wow, I, I am a sinner, I need a Savior, and place our faith in Him, just by saying, okay, God, I believe this. I accept this from you that he forgives every sin, heaven is your destiny, and then he moves inside and begins this change that we're talking about, okay? So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this example of Paul in the scripture and how he was living his life, Lord, and the challenge that he gives to us. I thank you, Father, that that it's not about us attaining and being perfect, but it's about you working. It's about us yielding to you and letting you do your thing in our lives. And I thank you that as we yield ourselves to that and say, yes, Lord, this is what I, I want, that, that you work and you teach us and you show us. And if, if to whatever we've, how we start from where we are, Lord, thank you that you let us start from where we are. I pray, Lord, we become this church full of people who are, can say what Paul says, one thing, I press on. One thing, I press on. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back up again. One more song. Let's respond to the Lord today as we consider these things that we've been talking about from his word. Verse 15, or 16 there. Then he says, he basically says, to whatever degree we've attained, where we're at now, start from here. Okay? Start from where you are today. Nothing else that you have to do.